Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello there. How are you today? I hope everything with you is well. Welcome to Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell, and my guest today in episode 510 is Emily Henry. Her new book, Book Lovers, is out this week, and we are going to talk about slow burns, book tour puppies, and the icy city ex-girlfriend trope, which if you watch Hallmark movies, you're very familiar with her. I want to thank Annie, Claritrix, and the very enthusiastic members of the Culture Study Discord's romance channel who were very excited about this interview alongside me. This is one of those interviews where my inner 13-year-old is not chill. I also want to say a very special thank you to publicist Heather Mill, who set up this interview. I will have links to all of the books that we talk about and some articles and Q&As with Emily Henry that I used to develop some of my questions in the show notes. And guess, guess where they are? Smart bitches, trashybooks.com slash podcast. Hello and a very big thank you to our Patreon community. You keep the show going. You help me make sure that every episode has a fantastic transcript hand compiled by Garlic Knitter. And I want to thank you very, very much for your support. If you like the show, you want to support us, have a look at patreon.com slash smart bitches. This episode is brought to you in part by Ritual, a vegan-friendly multivitamin delivered to your door that's formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms your body can actually use. You'll always know what nutrients you're taking and where they come from thanks to Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain. And you won't find sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, or artificial colorants. I like knowing all the steps behind my vitamins, and I love how easy it is with Ritual. My multivitamins are delivered to my door every month with free shipping always. And I can start, snooze, or cancel my subscription at any time. I don't have to think about refills or buying more. And I like that it includes vitamin D3 as well. Now available for women, men, and teens. Ritual multivitamins are scientifically developed to help support different life stages. And if you don't love Ritual, 
ritual within your first month, they'll refund your first order. Get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash Sarah to start your ritual today. This episode is brought to you in part by Pros. One of the ways I've taken gentle care of myself in the past few years has been caring for my hair. And you may have heard me talking about Pros, the world's most personalized hair care. Now, first there's a quiz and I love a quiz. Pros has given over 1 million consultations and my results created a custom blend that has made my hair softer, my waves more defined, even when my hair is really short. And because I get to choose my own scent, it smells incredible. All of their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered and cruelty-free. And if you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've ever had, they will take the products back, no questions asked. I mentioned Pros recently to the producer of my other podcast and she made the noise. You know the noise? <gasps> I love Pros. That was exactly her reaction. So it's not just me. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash trashy books. That's P-R-O-S E dot com slash trashy books for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. This episode is brought to you in part by Stamps.com. Yep, still feel like a cool podcaster when I say that. If you are a small business owner like me and you're looking for a way to cut costs, mailing and shipping expenses are a great way to start. Even though I work mostly on the internet, I still have things to mail, like books and prizes and swag. With Stamps.com, I get exclusive discounts and terrific rates on shipping from USPS and UPS. Stamps.com lets me print official postage right from my computer and saves me money. I used to have a specialty postage printer that I had to buy expensive labels for, but with Stamps.com, I can use my regular printer with no special supplies needed. Stamps.com gives me access to all the shipping services I need, and I get great discounts, like up to 40% off USPS and 86% off UPS. Start mailing and shipping with Stamps.com and keep more money in your pocket every day. Sign up with promo code Sarah for a special offer that includes a four-week free trial plus free postage and a digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code Sarah. This episode is brought to you in part by Fast Growing Trees. It is spring everywhere here, and I am so excited to see the hydrangeas we bought last year from Fast Growing Trees coming back. Now we have a frost-resistant gardenia, and I have never had one of those. I'm really excited about it because I know it's going to do okay where I live. When it comes to caring for your plants, know-how matters. FastGrowingTrees.com's experts curate thousands of plant varieties that thrive in one specific climate, yours, and will meet your location and your needs. There's no waiting in line. There's no messy cars. Your plants are shipped to your door in one to two days. Plus, their growing and care advice is available 24-7. Whether you're looking for privacy, shade, color, fragrance, adding some natural beauty to your yard, Fast Growing Trees has the perfect plants and the expertise to help you find them. Go to FastGrowingTrees.com slash Sarah right now and you'll get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com slash Sarah. FastGrowingTrees.com slash Sarah. All right, are you ready? Ready for a podcast? I'm ready for a podcast. I was so excited to do this interview, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. On with my conversation with best-selling author, Emily Henry. Hi, I am Emily Henry. I am a writer. I used to write books for teens, and now I write romance novels, including Beach Read, People We Meet on Vacation, and my new book, Book Lovers. 
it must be so hard to be a new and undiscovered author and and to just have no one recognize your book titles at all. Yeah. I'm- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's really, I'm so happy that I started out in YA and was not a recognized author because I feel like this would have just totally ruined me. Like I would have like a green room writer that'd be like, I can't do anything without a bowl of blue M&Ms. So I'm like really glad that that's not how I started. <laughs> So now I want to know what's going to be when you go on tour, like in person, in person tour, and you have a rider because you're selling yeah. out. If you're selling out, you know, arenas, arenas, right, yeah. for your book tour. <laughs> what is what is the thing on your rider that you're going to be like? Nope, I need it. I mean, I this is. Do I get to be horrible in this scenario? Absolutely. I think I would love. I would love if there could be like a therapy dog or a pup. That's not horrible, but you know, I don't. I don't need that. But I would love to have like puppies. Oh, that's a good one. I'd love to have puppies to just kind of de-stress. Um, I, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, I would love to have like a really fancy Prosecco. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, the blue M&Ms, I think I would want to do just to say I'd done it. I yeah. don't really care about M&Ms, but right. maybe. Yeah. I think puppies is a great writer. And I, I mean, you yeah. can bring them out on stage with you and everyone would be like, this is the best book talk ever. <laughs> right. Puppies. right. The whole arena goes wild yes. for the puppy on stage three miles away. Yes. Yeah. And now Emily Henry and some puppies. Oh my yes. God. Yes. Just like a giant, um, you know, like garage door opening and then a stampede of puppies. Yes. Make it a hit. Okay. So we've planned your next book tour. All done. Somewhere, somewhere your publicist is now very anxious and doesn't know why. I know. I know. She felt the little tingle go down her spine. She's like, Emily's asking for puppies again. Oh, no. So congratulations in all seriousness on Book Lovers. Um, I try very hard to do interviews that are not spoilery, but I have to say I read this whole thing in one day and I really enjoyed it. I... I think if this book were a person and it were wearing a t-shirt, it would say, hello, Sarah. I contain a lot of your catnip and I'm very romance friendly. Like this book was like a hug for romance readers. Was that part of your goal here? 100%. You know, it's kind of funny because I feel like Beach Read was was my attempt to trick a bunch of people who hadn't read romance before into starting to read romance. (laughs) And now that I kind of have them on the line, I'm like, okay, now I can just like write a straight up romance novel. Yeah. Yeah. Lean in. And you know what? They're going there. They're, They're willing to. And I feel like it is the time. Like if you have not read romance yet, 2022 is the year that like, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Yeah. There's so much good options now, too. Yeah, there are. So what is one of your favorite parts of this book and why is it making up adorable names for coffee shops? That was one of my favorite parts. Um, I have a whole like I have multiple pages of a notebook. Actually, I think it might be right here. This is never before seen content. Um, Yeah. Yeah. This is really rare. Let's see if I, if this actually is the right one. Yeah. I love doing that so much. And I think the thing is like, I, the worse they are, the more I love it. And I'm like, I will say, so there's one, there's one shop in the book that was, there is a real hair salon near where I live that has the name curl up and die. Like And and then when I Googled it, it was like, this is really ridiculous. I Googled it and plenty of other people have also made this decision yep. to open a salon called Curl Up and Die. So that one's real. And the rest, I was just like, how bad of a pun can I pun? And this might not be the right notebook. I'm sorry. The only one I remember off the top of my head was another option for the spa 
was Ziggy Spawdust. Ooh. That's kind of like the level that that I was working at. I'm all about that one. Yeah. I thought, oh, and I remember C Spa Run. I just, (laughs) nonsense. So that really is the best part about being a romance author. Make up a small town, populate the businesses with incredible pun names, right? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing, like you were saying, like this was your catnip and I really did try and stuff this book with everything that I think is cozy. And I think, you know, a lot of us love that quirky small town. And it's like, you know, I live outside of, I live in a city, but like in my own little neighborhood, it has like a very distinct personality Yeah, and I love it so much. And it like, you know, I feel like real life is weirder than fiction. And so when you're seeing those like quirky, weird, small towns in books, you're like, this is a real thing. (laughs) This, This is what I love is that like, you can't just find this place on a map. You have to know someone who's like, I live in this really weird place, come to it. And I definitely wanted to make a town that you like wanted to go to, even though you're like, what will I do once I'm there? (laughs) Yeah. Like what, what is, what are my options? Are there any, do I have two? Yeah. Yeah. That's basically it. But I think that's part of the charm because when there are only two options, everybody in town is using those two options. And that's why you're like, Oh, the same, you know, the same, the guy who delivers my mail, but also is technically the mayor or something, Yeah, you know, and he's at the coffee shop ordering his like green smoothie that is not even on the menu. Oh, for sure. Now, I have questions from other readers. I am in a Discord server. This is such a, such a convoluted thing, but I am, <laughs> I am subscribed to a newsletter by a journalist named Anne Helen Peterson, who writes a newsletter called Culture Study. And when you pay for a subscription, you also get access to a Discord. And there is a whole channel in all caps that is called Romances Are Good, All Right. And so we all <laughs> hang out in there and talk about romance novels, which is great fun. And I happened to mention that I was going to get to interview with you and my inner 13-year-old was super not cool about it. And I had people go, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. And so they have questions for me to ask you. So there's many people I, who are so excited for this book, first of all. I love that. I Thank know. you. That's so exciting. It really is exciting to be like, oh my gosh, how you doing? And they're like, oh my gosh, me too. Okay. <laughs> so Annie has a couple of questions. And the first question is, that your dialogue and your pacing seem very cinematic, like a movie or a TV show. And I know from a Q&A that you did about book lovers that the genesis of Nora is the uh, ice cold city business chick in the yeah. movies who always gets dumped and you only see her, as you said, running on the treadmill and yelling <laughs> yeah. at the hero. And I was like, I know exactly who you're talking about in every movie that I've seen her in. Now, do you take notes? From film and TV or from life or from other books, it Annie would like me to tell you that you make it seem effortless to have this pacing and this cinematic Aww. dialogue. And obviously it is not. So well done. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I will say, I think the dialogue comes pretty naturally to me. The pacing does not. I, I was just doing a, another interview a while back and somebody asked a question about the dialogue and I was like, no, dialogue is happens for me. It's just that I'm like, how do I turn this conversation into a plot? Yeah. That's what's way harder for me. And like, I could write 25 pages of people talking, yeah. but like, where is this going? Um, but I do think, you know, I, I was a huge reader growing up, but then I feel like I did become more of a movie and TV person for a while there. And it really probably did shape my sensibilities a lot. Yeah. Um, I do not actively take notes, but I think I am a sponge. Like, I think I really absorb the things I love. And even like, I, I'm a, totally the person who accidentally picks up on people's mannerisms yep. or like find myself speaking with their accent. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what's happening. 
happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I think it just, you know, I absorb it. I, I take in a lot of media. I love story in all of its forms. So I think, you know, like the more you read, the more prepared you are to write. And yeah. that's like a big part of it. Um, but I also think I am part of like the sub generation that was like truly raised by Nora Ephron and Gilmore Girls. And like, that my, my entire sense of identity. Yeah. Talking, talking. exactly. Lots of dialogue. Talking. Lots yeah. of dialogue. Yep. Yeah. And you know, I was, because I was, I, I did recently read the, when Harry met Sally screenplay for the first time I've seen it, but I'd never read it. And it was reading. It was the first time I realized like it is a movie where pretty much nothing happens. And it's just this conversation that spans years. And I was like, that's why I love this so much. It's just two people talking oh, through yeah. life. Oh Yeah. One of the things that I love about podcasting um, is the idea, and I think this comes from the Blinkist podcast, that you're being given permission to eavesdrop on people's conversations. Yeah. And really good dialogue is the same thing. You're being given permission to eavesdrop on everybody's, especially the intimate conversations. Right. And there are so many in this book, too. You have texting and email and out loud (laughs) and all of these different ways of communicating that just feed into one another because that's how we talk now, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, and you know, it's funny because when I started Book Lovers, I knew that some things about it were specifically going to be kind of a nod to You've Got Mail. I, looking back, I'm like, oh, I did sort of like a reverse You've Got Mail where like in real life, they're like cordial and polite over email. They're like viciously, (laughs) they're bantering viciously. Um, And that was sort of like, yeah, the opposite of You've Got Mail. But I think that kind of seeped in. Again, it wasn't intentional, but I'm a sponge. Yep. Now, Annie also wanted me to ask about the slow burn. A lot of your books, even in the YA, some of them, some yeah. of them that you've got a lot of slow burn, which, by the way, is my number one style. So how do you toe the line, Annie says, between characters and when to finally cross the line? Yeah. And how conscious are you of the buildup as you're writing it? Do you have like a mental diagram that helps you construct a slow burn? Like what are some of your elements there? Yeah, sort of. I think, you know, I'm lucky to have an editor who is really, really good at that sort of thing. And so sometimes she'll be like, I think that this is, you know, like Beach Read is a good example. My agent was the one who caught it. Um, the initial draft of Beach Read there were like three interrupted kisses. <laughs> My agent was like, you know what? <laughs> we got to We got to pull back a little bit. So I will say there are some people who have a really strong grasp on plotting who are helping me and kind of like being my bumpers that knock me back in the right direction. But I am conscious of that buildup. And I I do tend to draft very quickly when I write a first draft. And so I am like feeling it for the characters. It's like, it's happening, not quite in real time, but it's like my first drafts normally do take about like 40 days and then I rewrite the whole thing. But with that first 40 days, I'm trying to keep that momentum and that feeling of this building connection and, um, yeah, like the tension growing and growing. And I think that makes it really, it's really helpful for me to write quickly. Whenever I take breaks and come back to it, it's like, okay, how do I yeah. find my way back into these characters' headspace? Yeah, because those are very present and active emotions that are mm-hmm. much more uh, vibrant when you're actually feeling them. When you yeah. think about them after the fact, it's different. Right, you're like, that was weird. <laughs> what yeah. happened? What the heck yeah. happened? <laughs> yeah. So Claritrix also has a question. And Claritrix wrote, I would be interested in hearing thoughts and feedback that you've gotten um, because many of your characters are in publishing. It's very niche and it's something that a lot of people dream about getting into. What what draws you to writing about publishing folks? And is this a world that you know 
or is it because people aspire to it or both? What leads you into that particular arena? Well, what leads me into it is definitely my familiarity with it. I think like now I've been in this world long enough to know what's like funny yeah. <laughs> about it. Yeah. What's really weird about it. Yes. Um, oh, many things. Yeah. So many things. So and many like, things. I wouldn't have known that right up front. I would have just seen like the glossy, like Hollywood version version of publishing, which is very different. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like everyone is so much weirder. Like you need to understand everyone is so much weirder than, than, you know, Hollywood, Hollywood publishing or, or television um, versions of publishing. Yes. We're like, we bought the book, print it, get it on, get it on stands. Tomorrow. I love the timeline. Yeah. yeah right. You the sign a contract TV. and a truck of money shows up like, yeah. wow, is that really how it works? Like, well, yes, that is. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that it's, it started with just familiarity, but then I realized with Beatry, people actually did care and work, yeah. you know, it is niche, but at the same time, like we're seeing, like, of course, readers are curious readers from outside of that world want to know, like, how this happens, how it gets from being this idea to this like book in their hands that they're reading and seeing and all that. So it makes sense to me that there's curiosity there. Um, And you know what, like, since I am trying to write these like summary romances, there is like now some thought going into like, what is like the aspirational quality of this that will make people feel like they're kind of like on a vacation? Yeah. Um, And you know, like that glossy version of publishing in Hollywood, I think is trying to scratch that itch. It's like, here, look, everything's shiny. Everybody's really well-dressed whatever. Um, And so I think, you know, there is, that is factoring into it as I go along to now trying to think like, what do readers want? And so it's like always that balance of what am I curious about and what do I think readers want that I like am equipped to give them? And it's a hard balance, right, to both maintain this allure and also demystify it enough. One thing I appreciate about Nora, no spoilers here, is that she loves her work. She loves being an agent. She loves working on books and then improving them and figuring out who to sell them to and knowing that it's going to be a book that will sell. But also loving it so much that she experiences that sort of boundaryless crossover of I do this work because I love it, but that also means I work all the time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm really happy that you like keyed into that specific piece of it because that, you know, when I was trying to take this, this villain character, this ice she is queen, a villain in all the movies, yeah, right? right? In yeah. the movies she is. And I was like, okay, but why, like, why does she care about her job to this extent? You can't just say this person is, you know, like all work and no play and not explain to me, does she love her job? Is she afraid of running out of money? Like what is, what is the basis of her having this flimsy work-life balance? And in publishing again, like I knew to go there right away because if I was like, oh, I'm going to write about an investment banker, banker, frankly, I do not know what an investment banker is still. I probably (laughs) will die without learning what an investment banker is. So that would have required a lot of research. I would not have understood probably some math. And then on top of that, I don't know if I could just get into the headspace of does this person love investment banking, whatever. With being an agent, it was just so natural because I know it's this job that has really weird, intense hours. You're doing all this hard business stuff, but you're also dealing with like needy, delicate baby authors like myself. And so like passion has to play a part in it. And it's not the, the high paying thing that I think people think it is and that maybe it should be wink, wink to anyone listening who has that power. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just knew that it would have to be like 
that that was the appeal of making her an agent is like she loves her job. I knew that about the character. And so then when I figured she was going to be an agent, like I figured that all out, it made perfect sense because yeah. that is a job that requires so much love, time, and energy. Yes. And it's also a job that you don't have specific hours for. Right. And you have yeah. to do the um the the technical aspects of knowing how to read and negotiate a contract, which is mm-hmm. a whole language. But then you also, like you said, you have to do the emotional caretaking. Yeah. And, and be creative, like yeah. good with books, like understand what makes a book work and have yeah. notes for your authors. Yeah. And and understanding structure, but also the creativity within that structure. That's mm-hmm. a very unique mindset that yeah. agents and a lot of editors have in common. But like you said, if it's a work that you love doing and the emotional caretaking part of any job is very rarely valued by outside right. The, the idea that she's just going to work and work and work and work until it's her whole thing is is an easy like it's an easy hole to fall into with right. Nora. She actually loves what she does. Like she really exactly. enjoys it. And it's hard to yeah. say, wait a minute, I'm tired of the thing that I love for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I mean, <laughs> I feel like anybody in books can relate to that. It's like, yeah, right. Yeah, I for, mean, for sure. For, like that's that is the life. It's like your favorite thing has become your job. Yes, that is exactly what happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, it's the dream and it's still a job. And you have to hold space for both of those where you're like, it is the dream. And I recognize what an honor it is to be here. But I also have to honor the other parts of myself by by admitting this is a job and there is work and there are days you just don't want to do it. Yep. And publishing is full of that mystique. Mm. too. It's full of that, you know, oh, this world is so magical. You make books happen. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, there's a conference room. Right. <laughs> right. And we have yeah. meetings. I mean, and like writing, you know, with Beach Read, it was funny because it was like, okay, I'm writing about the drafting process. And I think it probably does sound a little bit more fun on the page, but in my head, I was like, who wants to read about people in like dirty sweatpants that they haven't changed out of for four days, eating the same yogurt every single day, just so they don't have to make choices yep. and like breaking out horribly. Cause you're just not taking care of yourself in any way, but it's like, I'm not sitting down with a typewriter and like a glass of scotch. I'm like lying on my office floor groaning. Like I don't have any words. <laughs> And the and the portrayal of that process as well in popular media is so very different. It's so romantic. And it's oh, yeah. like, that's fun. That's fun. But mm, that's not, yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. it is that honestly, it probably is that way for someone. I always think about Stephen King saying he doesn't believe in writer's block and then like putting out multiple books a year. Just I'm like, maybe, you know what? Maybe Stephen King does sit down with a typewriter still and like a glass of coffee and is just like not a glass, a mug of coffee. Yeah. And just, you know, the words flow and then the day's over and do it again tomorrow. Yep. Not me. Nope. <laughs> and there's, and you have to take into account varying energy levels. Like there are some yeah. days where the creativity is not happening. I have no yeah. energy for that. Nope. Because so. you're a whole person. And it's so weird because I feel like so much of um, life as like a creative person is trying to get okay. First, like identifying as an artist, like yeah. you feel weird about that. And like, oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's such a struggle to like get your, to take yourself seriously enough and then to ask the world to take you seriously. But then you do that long enough and suddenly you have to be like, oh wait, like my whole identity now is on being an artist and I am a human. I'm a whole human who has other needs other than writing my stories. So 
then you kind of have to walk it back a little bit and be like, I'm a human who makes art. Yep. yep. <laughs> and that's okay. Yep. And then it's, and it's always, it's always a weird conversation when you meet someone, right? When you try to explain what it is that you do. Yeah. That's, that's like, always fun. Well, and it's so funny because I think there are so many people who hate their jobs and they hate that conversation too, because they're like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about my job as who I am when I'm first meeting someone. And then I feel like the people who like do love their jobs also sort of are like, I can't talk about no. this. I can't. Let's, let's like go to hobbies. Let's yeah. skip that and go to hobbies. Let's skip that. And let's talk about what you made for dinner. Cause I'm actually, yeah. for, let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Anne also wanted to know, what do you pack in your bag on vacation? Oh my gosh. Well, I am the person. I'm guessing you've been asked that question before. I don't think I actually have. Well Um, done, Anne. Yeah. Way to go, Anne. So I am, I, years ago for Christmas, my dad got me a Kindle and I think he thought like, this would be the perfect gift. And I opened it and was just sort of like, ah, oh. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want an e-reader. I finally am using my e-reader. So that has changed my packing game because I definitely was that person who was like stuffing a suitcase with books that were not going to get read. <laughs> like, I did that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I went on like, a cruise you're... with two suitcases. One of them was just books and oh. I read most of them because I'm a very fast oh, reader. Good. Oh yeah. Well, and I do think if you're going on a cruise, like that's like the place to take books. If you're like going to Disney World, where are you going to be reading? Not going to be reading. Like, that's not happening. Um, so now I'm now I'm using my e-reader a lot more, which is great, and that saves a lot of room. I do pack way too many shoes. It's so weird because I like love buying shoes, but I think I ultimately only wear like two pairs. And so <laughs> when I'm packing, it's like, well, maybe I'll need like th- these neon like high heels. It's like, no, you're gonna wear the ugly white tennis shoes that have arch support. Like you're going yeah. on a hike. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think if there's like anything that is really specific to me that I pack that like no one else. I, I think I'm ultimately a fairly boring person. Like I think I'm just pretty <laughs> regular, just pretty normal. Um, lots of books, lots of shoes. I do overpack. Um, and I also do the neurotic thing of thinking so, like so many times I forgot my medicine, like every single trip. Yep. And the last time I went on a trip, it was a driving trip. Luckily, we got like 40 minutes outside of town. And I was like, I'm sure this is just me being obsessive, but do you mind if we stop and check if my pills are like in the back of the car? And they were not. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like 40 minutes back and now we're on the road. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. have, I, I am so um, retentive that I, and I, and I have a bad memory. I have a spreadsheet that I keep <gasps> and then I just make copies of it based on the length yeah. of the trip or the season. And some, some, That's- some, spreadsheets I use repeatedly and I just keep them in Google Drive. Wow. But that's this, genius cuz I just have a little notes like an app on my yeah. notes or a note on my app, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, Whatever. Yeah. And I'll have one packing list and at the front at the top it'll say what the trip is and then I'll reopen that whenever I have another trip coming up and I'll change the top and then I'll go through and be like, okay, what's going to be different here? So I just am like constantly editing this notes app note. Yep, yep. that's kind of how I roll. The same thing. <laughs> so we mentioned earlier, we're talking about um, the inspiration for Nora coming from a lot of Hallmark movies. Yes. What are your favorite slow burns that you absolutely Ooh. love? Oh my gosh. Let me think about this because now it's like, you know, in my, in my head, m- my memory of a book might not be accurate. Yeah. Um, I feel like, cause like 
Christina Lauren novels, like I love them so much. And I'm trying to think if they're actually slow burns or if it just felt like slow burns because they're so good attention. But I do think about Josh and Hazel's Guide to Not Dating, um, Jessica Friends to Lovers, Roommates to Lovers, and is so cute and funny and fun. Um, So that was really good. And um, Bet Me by Jennifer Cruzy was like a good slow burn, a little bit older, but like, I feel like it paved the way for like a lot of more modern. I mean, it's still a modern rom-com. It's not like from the (laughs) forties. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, I'm I'm looking over at my shelves. That's why my, my gaze is wandering as I'm trying to figure out what other slow burns I have loved lately. And Um, Bet Me is a good one because it subverts a very old trope. Yeah. 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 It's really fun. And I also just love how thorny, I don't remember the lead's name, but I love how thorny the main character is. I love a, a thorny woman lead. Um, I, I think Min. that's I think her name was really Min. fun. Min or Minnie. That's, yeah, you're so, right. It Min. is Min because I think yeah. it's short for Minerva, which is yes. also like amazing. Well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm like looking over at my shelves and I'm like, are these slow burns or is this just like immediately stuff is happening and I frankly can't be sure. (laughs) But it's (laughs) tricky too because internal conflict often reads as slow burn because you have to work out all of that stuff while learning to be intimate with someone else and trusting them with your squishy gooey feelings. Yeah. And I think so for in historical romance, I feel like Sherry Thomas does that really, really well where she sets up this couple who maybe immediately have tension and attraction or maybe not, but like she is going to really torture both of them. And you're so deep in their psyches that you're like, this is going to be a shit show. (laughs) I love these people. They belong together. Their trauma is like perfectly crafted to make them like have to fight really hard to work this out, which I love. Oh yeah. It's very messy. Emotional mess. Super emotional mess. Mm -hmm. If you could go back to your pre-published self, what, what advice would you give yourself? I I really, I mean, this is like the standard advice for life, I think. I really wish I had enjoyed it more. Like, you know, when you're writing before you've ever published, it really does feel different yeah. than every book after that because you just are, you really, you know, you're dreaming like maybe someone will read this someday and that's really exciting. But you're also just like, you don't have a million voices in your head or over your shoulder. You're just like, I'm writing what I want to write. And mm-hmm. I was so eager to get to publication that I don't feel like I was really present in those feelings and that enjoyment. And now that I know how different writing feels, like I still love writing, but it is different. Yeah. And I really wish I had just like relished that more. And I think in general, that's just like good, like life advice is just like always try to enjoy like whatever you're doing. Like yeah. when you're washing the dishes, try to be like, this soap feels really good. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so that I think is the big thing is I wish I could have just been like, this this is what this time is for yeah. and it is precious and i think you know as an aspiring writer you're you're always so scared you're not going to get there that it's hard to enjoy like what yeah. comes before but if you if you knew for a fact like i'm going to publish someday then you would just have so much more fun i think it would be more just play. like you just enjoy it yeah, yeah it'd be more exactly play. Mm-hmm. yeah i always ask are there any books that you want to tell people about oh gosh always it's the worst <laughs> I mean, it's the worst question Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, there's like stacks around me, um, in every direction. Okay. So Julia Whalen, my audiobook narrator and just like a phenomenal audiobook narrator and author in her own right. She's amazing. She's amazing. And every conceivable level, she has a very meta book coming out, I think in August called thank you for listening about 
audiobook narrators and it's sexy and it's angsty and it's lovely um, and, and sweet. And I, I highly recommend it. She is just like, her, I thought her first book was phenomenal. And this one, it's just like, the book that I read and was like, maybe I should quit. <laughs> like maybe, maybe I need to find a new, a new little career for myself. Um, that one is great. The Hacienda by Isabel Cañas. If you like gothics is like a sexy gothic and it just came out yesterday, I believe. I think 90% um, of the books this year came out yesterday. Yeah, I agree. And I'm like, <laughs> this is good, but also I'm stressed wow. for everyone. <laughs> I know, it's very stressful. Yeah. And then I was actually on a phone call yesterday and someone was like, oh, I just realized it's Mother's Day weekend this weekend. And that's apparently like one of the best weekends for bookstores. Yep. And and we were all like blown away. And then we were like, oh, wait, sale, the sales team probably knew that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like probably why yeah. everybody put their books out yesterday oh, um, yeah. because they're smart. So yeah, I learned that this yeah. week, Mother's Day, and also Easter is a big book buying holiday. I, did I didn't know, know Easter that. was a big book day, but Easter Me is a neither. big book day. Good to know. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm now I'm like, what books came out then? I'm I'm not sure. Probably lots of good ones. Another book that comes out next week. It is not a romance, but there is you know a lot of love in it. It's Emma Straub's This Time Tomorrow. Ooh, or, is that what it's called? This Time Tomorrow. I believe that's what it's called. It is so good. It's mostly like a father-daughter love story kind of. And it's um, about this woman, Alice, about to turn 40. And she's like, did I make the right decisions? And then she gets transported back into her 16-year-old body, New York in the 90s. And she's like, wait, my dad's here and he's young again. And I actually didn't realize my dad was ever this young. He always seemed ancient to me. Yep. Um, and her high school boyfriend is there and her best friend. And it's, yeah, it's it really like... It got to my heart and I'm excited for everyone to read it. That's awesome. Thank you so very, very much for your time. We are one minute over and I apologize. That is fine. Thank you so much for a lovely interview. I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed Book Lovers and thank you for writing it. And thank Thank you you. for your time today. Have an excellent, easy book tour. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you again to Annie Claritrix and the members of the Culture Study Discord Romance channel. And thank you again to Heather Mill for setting this up. Thanks most of all to Emily Henry, who is on a very busy book tour, and I am very appreciative of her time to do this interview. I will have links to all of the books that we talked about in this episode, and there were many because, I mean, it's it's an interview about a book called Book Lover, so that was clearly destined to happen. I am curious, have you read Emily Henry's books? Have you got a favorite? You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave me a message at 201-371-3272. I love hearing from you. And I love bad jokes. You can keep sending them to me. And of course, I'm going to end this episode with an absolutely dreadful joke because that's how I roll. And listen, listen, this joke is so bad. Like I need you to prepare, like brace yourself, whatever you're doing. If you're holding something breakable, maybe put it down. This one's really, really bad. And of course, I love it so much. This is from Brian Wilson 76 on Reddit. And it was so wonderfully terrible. I screenshotted it and I have told everyone who is standing still this terrible joke. And now I get to tell it to you. I love I, I love having a podcast. Have I mentioned? Okay. All right. Are you ready? You've braced yourself. You've put the breakables down. If you're cleaning something, you know, get ready for some vigorous scrubbing and anger. Okay. Did you know that Jar Jar Binks has a brother who is a famous author? It's true. Did you know Jar Jar Binks has a brother who is a famous author? 
It's George Orwell. <laughs> it's so bad. I love this so much. I hope you tell people this joke. And then I hope you tell me what noise they made when you tell them. In fact, you can tell me what noise you made just right now. <laughs> On behalf of everyone here, we wish you the very, very best of reading. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and we will see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts. George Orwell. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.